Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to Racing Boys. And if you ain't listening to them, you get out of the country because you're a communist. I love the Racing Boys. Like Mater says, they make me happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know, the funny thing about that is the Larry voice and the Mater voice are exactly the same. Get her done. It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Their season is wrapped up for the year, and uh, they finished up their season up at I-35 Speedway a few weeks ago and uh as usual our good buddy Todd surprise running the show for us here today and uh kirk elliott my partner for the last 23 years has uh been 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 a loyal supporter of mine for the last 23 years kirk how, how do you how do you even put up with me you ask that every show now. I know that. <laughs> we just had because we uh, we all like uh, hey. you know you know what it's all about, Scott. Yeah, it's about what we saw this weekend in dirt racing. Oh, no doubt. There, there, it was there. about what you witnessed in person at Devil's Bowl on Saturday night, and what we watched from Eldora Speedway let, let, on let, Flow Racing let, last night. That's what it's all about. Let me just say. For a moment, just let me speak on Devil's Bowl. You know, Kirk, that was the biggest crowd I'd ever seen at Devil's Bowl Speedway. Standing room only. And let let me just say that it brought a little bit of a tear to my eye when I knew that I was leaving that place for the last time and there was no chance that I'm going to go down there and take a look at that place. After it's gone. It's all going to be warehouses and... Warehouses and everything an else. industrial district and all of that in the future. And the Edwards family is going to walk out of there with a lot of money. Well, I, I, we don't know how much money they got out of it, to be we honest with you. We, we really don't have any idea. But for whatever Lanny Ross and his family want to do with that racetrack yep that is their decision absolutely and you know lanny ross is not a young man anymore nope and and his sister's not a, a young woman anymore martin so, is fairly young guy though isn't he? martin is a young guy but I, I i'm just gonna say that that was maybe one of the saddest moments of my lifetime going out of that place because as most people know that the racing boys went there three times a year spring summer and fall we'd we'd go down there and we would do those live broadcasts at that racetrack and i've got a lot of memories of that place and one of my greatest memories is when lanny Lanny Edwards come in and he jumped my ass that's your one of your greatest memories uh, it it, it <laughs> To be honest with you, it is one of my greatest memories because that the very next day, and and I don't know if people know this about 
Lanny Edwards. But Lanny Edwards doesn't apologize very often. And the next morning, Lanny called me and he said, Scott, I'm sorry that I got on you last night. And, and he apologized sincerely to me on the phone. And it was, to me, I know that, that Lanny doesn't apologize very often. He, he just sticks to his guns, usually. And that was the, one of my biggest thrills to have Lanny call me and say, Scott, I'm sorry I got on you last night. Because he didn't understand the situation. What we, we had at, at that time, we were bringing in different announcers to do the races. Do you remember that, Kirk, when yeah, we I were doing that? that. And, and I was in charge of bringing in the announcers. And we had Ben Shelton in there that night. And who we're going to have on here just a little bit. You just, you just ruined my setup, Kurt. <laughs> you just ruined it. So anyway, um, long story short is Ben Shelton was there and I was doing an interview with Travis Rylett. It was the first interview that he'd ever done after his accident up in the Northwest where he got burnt. And, Lanny comes in there and just starts MFing me on air. And I say, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And then I had to try to explain to Lanny that we bring in these announcers for these national, national tour races. But Emmett was so mad at that time that Emmett went down and got in his motorhome and left. Do you remember that, Kurt? I was not there that night, but I heard you talk about it. Yeah. So Emmett was mad, and um, there was a lot of people who were pretty upset with, with Lanny over that right there because he went up there and he just chewed my ass out. But you'd always gotten along with uh, Lanny and Beverly, too. Uh, uh, I, I Listen, to be honest with you, Beverly was one of my favorite people. Yeah. To be honest with you, um, she says that she always said a prayer for my mom. My mom was sick for five years with stage four ovarian cancer. It's Kirk remembers those yep. those years really well. And my mom lived with me at the time. And I took care of my mom for those five years in her in her dying days. And. To be honest with you, um, I still miss her a lot. I, I I think about her every day, just so you know. And Beverly used to always tell me, Scott, I say a prayer for your mom, Kay, every night. And that meant so much to me. I can't even begin to tell you how much that meant to me. So I, I want to give out a shout to Scott. He's listening from Atlantic City today. And um, Walton, Billy's listening in from Walton, Kentucky. Welcome to everybody tuned in today. Man. Uh, hey, Kurt, put your little sock up there. Devil's Bowl Speedway delivered the goods on its final night. And, of course, you know, we're thinking about uh, Laddie and Beverly, who are no, no longer with us, but a uh, lot of memories of them and the people 
at Devil's Bowl Speedway, but the racing delivered the goods on its final go-around on Saturday night. No, it did. No doubt about it. And, you know, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm kind of a Blake Hahn fan, right? I spe- well, we all are. I spend, I spend a lot of time with the Hahn family when I'm down there. He got caught up races. in an accident that wasn't of his doing. He had nothing to do with that. That and I'm I'm I've been told that it bent his frame oh, on man. that car. I thought maybe it did a lot of damage. It, it it tore up the top wing, the nose wing, and 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 one of the down bars might be a little tweaked on that. It all started when Brad Sweet, the current point leader, had a rub with his boss and teammate Casey Kane yeah. that created a wild crash that looked like Brad Sweet was going to be done for the night. But no, he was not done for the night. That car looked virtually destroyed, the 49 car. and But he still comes back and finished seventh, Scott. How did he do it? Uh, I'm not sure how he did it. But let me tell you something. Brad Sweet's car was a mess. That car was completely destroyed. And, and, and let me just say this about Brad Sweet. And I've got more respect for him right now than I've ever had for him in his lifetime. Brad Sweet, Tim Crawley was trying to help put the car back together, right? And he jumped in there to try to help. And an official come over and says, get out of there. You, you're not part of the team. And Brad Sweet looked at that official and said, that's bullshit. Yeah, he says it doesn't matter who's helping the team. It 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 it, it matters who comes in there and tries to help the well, team. Well, that happens all the time. Teammates Listen, from other crews come in and help we, out. We see it all the time, right? But it didn't help so much that night because his competitors were also having to deal with some issues. Right. That the reason why he didn't get a lot of help from other teammates because they had their own issues to deal with uh, in that kind of a circumstance. And so he could, at that time, uh, Brad Sweet and his team could use all the help. Matter of fact, Brad Sweet himself got out of the car and started working on the race car. He, Brad Sweet was in the trenches yeah. with his team trying to help work on that race car. And, and I, I gained a lot of respect for Brad to look at that official and says, that's bullshit. Yeah. Right? That's what he said to him. Yeah. He says he should be allowed to come in here and help us with the car. Everybody else is it helping us. It happens all the time. And and let me tell you something. For them to to get that axle in, the front wing on, and the top wing on, and get that car back out on the racetrack, they did that flawlessly. I was afraid they weren't going to be able to push it off because the rear bumper was bent. The tail tank was also uh, bent up that they were able to get that car pushed off. Right. Well, you know, technically, if the bumper's not in place, they don't usually push that car off. Are but you surprised they were allowed to push that I, car I, off? I, I, was, I was shocked that they allowed that bumper to be up there the way it was and push that car off. But uh, Brad Sweet's got a 68-point lead over David Gravel right now. That, that was a championship moment, yeah. was it not? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's not just about the driver. It was about the team getting that car repaired. And they usually, and they pretty much had to do it by themselves outside of T 
Kim Crawley helping out. Uh, let me just say this about that race that was at Devil's Bowl this weekend. That race for the World of Outlaws might have been the most amount of carnage I've ever seen in a World oh, of Outlaws race. Crazy. That was crazy. Oh, and we need to say that Casey Kane parked it after that, and his crew came over. The crew that was working on the on the nine car came right. over to help out as well. Right. We need to say that, but what do you think the discussion was between Casey and Brad after the race was over? Casey Kane, did, the owner did of that Brad car. Sweet get into Casey Kane? Is that uh, what happened? Did Brad Sweet yeah, get into yeah. Casey Kane? Well, they, they just touched. I don't know who to blame on a situation like that. Kirk, but they Kirk just is always, hey, Todd, Todd. Who do you blame, Scott? Todd, who Todd. Who do you blame on that? Let me ask you. Kirk is always on the fence, isn't he? I don't know who to blame. Is he is he always on the fence? I'm going to be on the fence on this one today. Well, who do you, <laughs> well, who do you think was at fault? I, I don't know. I, I, was, I don't know either. I was in the pits. I was standing yeah. on the front straightaway, and I didn't see who caused what. I didn't see it. They just got into each other is what happened. Yeah. So, but – it is very interesting Todd, dynamic because funny. Casey Kane owns that car, the forty nine car. So but to credit to Casey Kane, he said, I gotta park this thing, need my guy score help Brad get this car back in the hunt. And Casey did what he could. Well, there's a to championship right. involved. Yeah. Right? Championship. Right. All in at that point, the whole team was all in together. The right. nine crew, forty nine crew, we gotta get him back out there. Hey, but let me tell you something. I've got the most re- amount of respect for the big cat than I've ever had before. Because he looked at that official and told him, that's BS. He should yeah. be allowed to come in here and help us work on this car. Well, the other big moment at Brad Sweet this year that we got to Tim bring Crawley out, I'm talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, Tim Crawley. But the the other big moment that we got to talk about at Brad Sweet was earlier this year at Knoxville when Carson Macedo hit the wall. And had that bad wreck, one of the first guys to the scene was Brad Sweet. And he was crying, hey, let we got to get the, where are the cutters? We got to get him out. He was the leader as far as getting in there and trying to bring Carson Macedo to safety. So there's been a couple instances this year, Brad Sweet. And now there's a lot of talk about Brad Sweet, the high limit series, what's going to happen after this year, all of that. But you cannot doubt Brad Sweet's leadership qualities, even in the face of adversity and how he's able to handle himself and what he did on Saturday night at Devil's Bowl Speedway to help get that car back in the hunt and finish seventh. Yeah, credit to the crew and everybody banding together, but Brad Sweet himself, who crawled out of the car and helped get that car back out on the racetrack himself, Right. Uh, that uh, that that's you got to say that that's a big moment for Brad Sweet and a championship caliber moment. So uh, let's let's move on to Corey Day picks up the trophy cup. On. Well, let's let's finish up Devil's Bowl. We haven't finished up the, the race. What? What did you think of the finish? David Gravel steals the win from James McFadden. He did at the end. Right at the in end. An epic finish. That was that was probably. The biggest shock of the night right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because James McFadden looked like he it had looked it like won. He, let me tell you something about James McFadden. Every restart that he did, 
he would gap him, and he would get a nice, healthy lead. And for David Gravel to come around and, and run him down right there at the end of the race and pass him for the lead, that was remarkable, wasn't it? It was, and I, I he was my pick earlier in the day that day. I thought, you know, he's got all these second-place finishes. He lost that race at Lakeside the week before after seemingly having it won. A second-place finish on Friday night to Carson Macedo, and I'm thinking, you know, he's due for a big win, and he was able to pull it off on Saturday night. So I, I thought definitely James McFadden was going to win that race, yeah. didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a he had a big lead. Right. Uh, so – David Gravel, but he got into that lap. Done. He got into that lap traffic. Yeah, the that, lap traffic was a big key, and that was the that was the issue that caused Gravel to lose that race the week before at Lakeside to Donnie Shots. Right. Only this time, grab the traffic worked in Gravel's favor. Right. And he was able to. That is his first win in a long time. Donnie Shots ended up coming home third. Donnie Shots is on a roll right now. Solid finish for him. He had a ninth-place finish on Friday night, uh, third-place finish on Saturday night. That's after he won his first race uh, in uh, a long time. I mean, you got to go back to the uh, Knoxville Nationals prelim night where he had won prior to a week ago Saturday night at Lakeside Speedway, and Donnie Schatz started to put together some good runs after going through a pretty hellish time. Uh for Listen, that 15 car over the last uh, uh, few weeks. I, I, I'm, I'm going to speak up for Donnie Schatz right now. Donnie Schatz has been running pretty good since the end of last year. Yeah. He really got on a roll towards the end of last year, and he's he's been doing pretty good this year. Outside of several weeks since the Knoxville Nationals to Lakeside Speedway where they'd not run so well. Right. Uh, so... He had only gotten three wins prior to Saturday night. He won the Kings Royal back in July, won a prelim night at Knoxville, and then really hadn't done much till we saw him out here at Lakeside Speedway, won that race out there, and then a couple of top ten finishes at Devil's Bowl Speedway. Yeah. So hopefully uh, Schatz will be able to do something when they go to Charlotte here in a couple of weeks for the world finals but uh, certainly end up things on a high note after running through some bad finishes for several weeks in september and early october right um tammy says that uh, happy monday boys um don't look now but your chiefs and my eagles are at the top of the heap six and one how about that should anybody be surprised about that Nobody should be surprised about these the Chiefs. are the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. Hey, listen, but the game that worries me the most, and I don't know if it, it worries you, Todd, or not, but Miami worries me the most. Yeah, I think the only thing that's helping uh, is your mic's a little low. Yeah. So I think what helps us out the most on that, yeah, is we're going to Germany, and therefore it's not a home game. Coming in, you know, to us. And right. I, I think that makes, you know, Tyreek's not coming back to Arrowhead, so to speak, right? And so, therefore, he's not going to try to, like, you know, he's going to try to show us up. But it, right. yeah, the right. Arrowhead crowd will not be the one feeding him. But let me let me say this. 
I I bet you there's a good amount of oh, Chiefs yeah. fans that are going to be over there in Europe. Yeah. No, they they, they we, we travel well. They've already been selling these packages early. If you'd have went to you could go to arrowheadstadium.com. Do you think and, you think a lot of the people are going to travel oh, and, and a, go over there? There's a lot that are and the, but the only thing that I do know is is there's a little travel ban, you know, to some other parts of the country right now because of what's going on. So right. I, I think there's going to be a little bit more security at this game than what they anticipated at the beginning, you know. But other than that, I think it's still uh, – it is it is what it is. It, it's going to be a really good game. Um, they were shut down yesterday, obviously. Miami was. They didn't have their best game right. yesterday. So, yeah, it's – Yeah, I was watching that uh, Chiefs game yesterday. And I'm going to get about 6.30 it got over with. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's over with now. Let's go see what's going on at Eldora Speedway. And when I tuned in, the four-wide parade lap was going on. Kirk, let's save this with Ben Shelton. But, no, I was just saying you, the four-wide parade lap, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Football is over. Let's go watch some racing. mm -hmm. And, boy, did we see an epic. Uh, late model race before at we, Eldora Speedway last night. How about Lots that, to talk about there. How about that big crash, though, at Eldora? I, I found that video. I'm going to pull that video Oh, up. yeah. So this was in the support class, wasn't it? No, this, this was on Saturday night. Saturday night, and they... Um, watch, they watch this. He bikes up. Oh, man, that was a nasty one. It, I mean, you just don't see those kind of cars. You don't see them flip very often. Like that. They and made the decision right after that. Well, that's enough for tonight. They just shut it down. There's the video. That's like. Just because the track was too rough. Too rough. Yeah, they just got a ton of rain over there. It's nobody's fault. Uh, they got a bunch of rain over three days. It rained part of Saturday. They were supposed to get started early in the day on Saturday. They couldn't do it because it rained. And so I thought the track crew at Eldor Speedway did what they could to get that track in shape. Uh, but Mother Nature dealt them a big blow. It's amazing they got it in. But the track conditions led to what we saw last night Man. in one of the more epic late model races I've, I've ever seen. I don't know if you agree with that, Scott. Oh, no, it was a good one. Uh, Brandon Shepard wins the $100,000 Dirt Track World Championship, his fifth, which tied... Uh, the late Freddie Smith with five dirt track world championships. First year it's been held at Eldora Speedway. Kirk, he you, wins you the just race. told the whole story. And he, and we, we're, we're getting ready to have Ben Shelton well, on. Well, we'll talk more with Ben about it. But uh, Brandon Shepard wins after running out of fuel at the checkered flag and holds off Hudson O'Neill, who wins the championship. $200,000 for the Lucas Hole late model title. Beats Devin Moran to the line. Ricky Thornton had got caught up in a wreck on lap seven. He was taken out early. Jonathan Davenport was in the lead for a time. He had trouble, and Hudson O'Neill battling it out with Devin told- Moran for the championship and almost wins the race after Brandon Shepard runs out of fuel. You and just Shepherd to, you just told the, the whole winner. story, Kurt. That's you what just, I'm here to do. I'm here to tell the story. <laughs> but we're going to have Ben Shelton on here well, in just we'll a talk, minute. We'll get the details from Ben to <laughs> sort through all of the things that happened during that race, which was a lot. We <laughs> saw a lot of different things happen, a lot of different leaders, a lot of crazy stuff going on at Eldora Speedway yesterday. But I got to tell you, it was one of the... One of the great late model races I've ever seen. Would you agree, Scott? Yeah. Sure, Kirk. 
go to our website great. and find it right there under the news section. It's real easy to find. That that was just go 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 up to drama. the news section and then go down to uh, dirt late models and then click on it and then you'll find the story right, right there. there. That was filled with drama. So we'll get Ben on here in a little bit and talk more about it. He was the pit reporter. While all that was going on, there was about as much going on in the pits as there was out on the racetrack, to be right honest with you. There was. There was a lot of things going on down in the pits. So, let's let's take a break, and when let's we come it. back, Ben Shelton, one of the uh, pit reporters for the uh, Flow Racing broadcast, is going to join us right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod End Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay tuned. Mike's down. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com.
Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's Mostly Motorsports, and it's all brought to you by Rod and Supplies, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Joining us now is one of the voices of the Flow broadcast that was at uh, Eldora this weekend, Ben Shelton. How you doing, Ben? Oh, man, I'm dragging a little bit. I drove all night because uh, when races get moved to a new day, you, you can't sometimes reschedule a flight. So instead of flying home, I had to drive home, but couple hours i'm back in the game you know all about that scott yeah i i know all about it you know what i did i i left devil's bowl at at midnight uh on on saturday night and i drove straight through back to the house myself eight hours yeah i feel you i, I was right there with you about eight and a half for me so uh you know, a little slow but here we are you know there's worse ways to be spending a monday <laughs> you know kirk and i were just talking about that race uh last night um, man, that was a, a race that was full of drama, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, I mean, I think he knew with as wet as the track was and then the circumstances of the first way of the championship. I think we all thought there would be a lot of storylines and drama, but I think we lowballed it. I don't think we had any – we didn't have a real idea because once it, it all started happening, you were like, man. And, and the way it ended, I mean, if you saw that in a movie, you'd probably say, well, that would never happen. That's not real. Right. But it did. Right, right. Uh, it was unreal. Hey, eight different leaders last night. Is that a record for a race? Eight different leaders? It's got, you know, I, I, I hate to say something without a million percent knowing accuracy, but, man, if it's not, it's got to be really close, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, no doubt about it. 
spectacular, you know, and there was a couple other guys that were in contention to lead. I mean, in the blink of an eye, we could have had 10, and don't get me wrong, that part of that was a product. The track was demanding. Attrition was high. I mean, we, we had, you know, a few leaders get KO'd there, but, but still, eight leaders and 100 lapper uh, in 2023, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. But, uh, and listen, I, I, what I was looking at uh, when I saw Brandon Shepard, he was running that B5 car, and, and did it look like to you at the racetrack that he was up above, up there in the muck? Wasn't he up there in the muck a little bit? Well, I think him and, you know, and before Bobby Pierce ran out of gas, um, you know, I, I, I think those Illinois Bullring guys, uh, myself and our our expert on the staff, the racer expert, Randy Weaver, you know, we made the comment, that's a big racetrack, but it raced like a Bullring um, because it was so aggressive and it was such a big cushion and, you know, guy, you know, you saw Tyler Carpenter go to the lead and he ended up, you know, losing power steering, which is the last thing you want anywhere, especially on an aggressive track like that. But, you know, Tyler races on the bull rings in Ohio Valley. And then, you know, Bobby Pierce and Brandon Shepard, don't get me wrong, they're good everywhere. But they cut their teeth running, you know, four four wheels in the fluff, if you will, back there in Illinois on those tiny bull rings. And yeah. It was, it was, it just it wasn't a big deal for those guys. And it yeah. really, they showed their muscle and, Brandon's going to win a lot of races in that Longhorn house card next year. That was a taste of what's to come, and, uh, you know, it, it was a big night for him. Ricky Thornton Jr. And, and Jimmy Owens got together, and that kind of put – that put – I think it put uh, Ricky Thornton down about six laps, didn't it? It did. I mean, Anthony Burroughs, his crew chief, they were prepared for anything, and they right. were prepared for it. Unfortunately, as, as prepared as you can be, uh, it was still a lot of repairs, and they needed one more caution to come out. It didn't. And so they fell down a lot of laps. And, I mean, to me, that's the only damper of the night. You know, we talked about it on your show uh, there on Friday or, or Saturday. I can't, all my days run together. It was Saturday. Right, Saturday. yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and we talked about it. it was going to be a little bit of a travesty if he didn't win because he had such a dominant year. But at the same token, you know, he said all along, we all signed up for this. But, man, you really wanted to see him in the thick of things when, you know, when that final checkered flag flew. You wanted to see at least have a chance. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's too bad, uh, Ben, that uh, we don't see the same things like we saw in sprint car racing on sat Saturday night when they were able to change a whole front-end assembly on these sprint cars like <laughs> 10 minutes. You can't do that on these late models. No, there's uh, – you know, Donnie Shad told me one time, he said, he said, I enjoy racing late models because, he goes, it's stress relief. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well – he goes, on a sprint car, we, we basically have, like, three adjustments. He goes, on a weight model, you have, like, 20, and you got all these different parts, and they all right. affect each other. And I said, Donnie, that sounds really stressful. And he goes, yeah, but for me, it's kind of fun. Well, same deal on a weight model. You know, on a sprint car, you knock that front end out, and you got a drag link, and, you know, some torsion tubes and a few things, and, you know, some connecting rods. You get that front end back in, back there on a weight model. It's, uh, you know, if you took it to your local body shop, you might be able to pick it up four days from now. There's just a lot of parts. Right. And they tried. They did their best, but they just couldn't get it back out there. You know what really impresses me about uh, the 20RT uh, team and Ricky Thornton Jr.? They didn't give up. They kept working at it, and even though they were six laps down, they came out and hammered it right on home a lot of guys would just park it and said the heck with it but they they did not well, they just didn't give up well the way the racetrack raced kirk we were kind of joking that he still might he still might be the champion because the other three might not finish it and that's right behold, you know david davenport ends up not finishing um you know and the other two did but but with ricky staying out there uh, and the point that Davenport fell out, that was a twenty five thousand dollar difference that was the difference and was it the two hundred thousand dollar title no 
Um, you know, but it, it was a, uh, uh, you know, instead of getting 100000 it was a 125000 that he got for third. So it, it did it did pay dividends in that sense. You know, it was still a heartbreaker not for the title, but right. perseverance pays off, boys and girls. Hey, so, listen, did you feel like Bobby Pierce had a chance to win that race there at the end before he – I think it was Bobby. Before he ran out of gas, uh, Scott, I think it was his race to lose. Right. I really do. Well, let's talk about the uh, battle amongst those championship contenders. Jonathan Davenport looked like he had things pretty well in hand. What did they say? A mud clod hit the radiator? What happened to him? I, You know, I didn't get to talk to them. Um, I can tell you when they came by, and, and you know, again, um, I'm the furthest thing from uh, I always joke as a civil engineer, not a mechanical. I know when he came by and when it shut down, a spark, kind of shot out the side of the, the engine there, and that's usually not a good sign, right? So right. Um, I, I guess I assumed a failure of some sort of the power plant, but uh, with those mud quads, anything's possible. But I do know when it, when it laid down, it shot a spark out the side right at the start finish line in front of me. And then the, the battle between Hudson O'Neill and Devin Moran, those two guys were really going at it down towards the end. Talk about that battle. It was spectacular. Again, it was something out of a movie. I mean, you got Brandon Shepard leading. He runs out of fuel 40 feet before the line. He's able to just cross, you know, coast across and get it. And then, you know, Hudson goes down a lap. And, you know, again, I mean, excuse me. uh, uh, Yeah, Hudson goes down a lap. And what was crazy about that guy is is when he got the lucky dog to get back on the lead lap, he wasn't the first car down a lap. But the car in front of him had already got the lucky dog once. The first car down a lap had already got it. Well, by Lucas Oil rules, you can only get it once. Right. So because of that, Hudson got it. If not for that technicality, Hudson's not even in the in the fray. Wow. Because you know, he had two flats. And, uh, you know, I think what really won it, honestly, those flats very well may have won that race for him because not only did he have a fresh right front end, right rear tire on, but the last time he came in, Mark Richards, team owner, you know, Mark's no dummy. He knew fuel was going to be an issue. They added fuel. So he had more fuel and fresh, fresher tires than anybody. So again, the you know it was it was better than any afternoon soap opera you'll ever see. All the, all the twists and turns and heartbreaker for Devin Moran. I mean, he almost got his first Lucas Oil title first year with Double Down Motorsports, and I just came up a little bit short. But it was exciting. You know and what? I, you hate to see a race of seven cars finish. You know, it was I, exciting. I think the smartest thing they did because. They were conscious about how much fuel they were going to run, and they were dumping some fuel in there while they were changing the tire. And that that was a yep. that was an excellent move right there, wasn't it? And they were the only one, you know. And right. um, and, and talking to Mark Richards before, they actually changed fuel cells for that event. They, he he said we may have actually had enough because we we put one in when we thought we'd have a little bit more capacity. That was the way I understood it. They they were so concerned because it was so cool and they knew it'd be so fast. And sure enough, you know, Owens runs out of gas. Uh, you know, Pierce runs out of gas, and then Shepard runs out of gas, but just enough to coast across for the win. Hey, do they ever do open reds where they allow the drivers and the team members to come out and put gas in into the late models? Do they ever do that, like in sprint car racing? So they they do sometimes to answer that, um, and, and it's and it's fuel only or tear offs only. That's pretty much the only thing I've ever seen. I've seen tear off helmets or fuel, and. Um, and basically, they had talked about that. Series director Rick Schwally told me yesterday afternoon, we're going to monitor it. And if we think we need to, we may have a fuel stop. And, you know, the fact that some guys made it and some didn't, um, you know, probably warranted they didn't need it. 
But, it, you know, these different motors, these wide bores, man, I always joke they got those big double-barrel curly straws, and they just suck right. the fuel out of that tank like it's nothing. So uh, it was on their radar. Uh, in fact, Knoxville, that's one reason the Knoxville Late Model Nationals uh, is now 80 laps. Right. Because at 100, they, they had to do fuel stops there because everybody started running out of gas there in the past in the last 10 laps. Was, was there any conversation over the radio yesterday where they were talking about maybe having a fuel stop and, and, and letting allow the teams to put some fuel into the cars? To my knowledge, no. Um, they, uh, you know, and you know, you know as well as I do, Scott, if, if you have conversations on, you know, if they, you mentioned on the receiver, you better do it. So, yeah, right. Um, I, I think that, you know, and again, you know, Owens and Pierce were the only two other than Shepard coming to the checkers that ran out of fuel. So it, it's a it's a really tough situation to be in if you're the series director because you don't want to potentially have an open red that changes the outcome of the race if you don't have to, right? So right. Um, it, all, it, it, was, it was quite the night. It was quite the weekend. I felt like I was at Eldora for 87 days. But <laughs> right. It, it uh, paid I, off on a thrilling finish. <laughs> you know, Devin Moran gets into the final four on the last weekend because Brandon Overton had a problem. He slips into that. You know, I was thinking back, you know, when Devin Moran was handed the win at the Show Me 100 earlier this year because Ricky Thornton Jr., uh, failed the post-race inspection was intended. I, how many points were involved in that? Did that make a difference on even Devin Moran making it into the Final Four? Well, it absolutely had a hand in it. And honestly, that was the night where things started to go south for Brandon Overton. Because at that point, Brandon Overton is, I believe, second in the points. Yeah. And he and Devin, um, you know, it was debatable. Devin, Devin felt bad. I, I stood there watching. I don't know if they made contact. I think maybe he just ran him up the track a little bit, but Overton actually is running, and I think second or third with a few laps remaining, and he and Devin close quarters racing. Overton goes into the wall, crashes, he knocks him out. So not only did Devin pick up a few points that night when Thornton gets DQ'd, but Overton doesn't finish the race, and really I think that set the whole thing in motion, guys, that all the way back at the Show Me 100 in May set in motion Overton not making it and Moran making it. Now, look, there's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of ifs and buts, but it's crazy to think that that all started in gear back in May. Then how about the, uh, the all the, uh, the the team owners, the, the teammates switching teams? You had Brandon Shepard used to drive the Rocket House car, and now he's over at, uh, you know, the Longhorn guy next year driving uh, the the B5 car, Kevin Rumley, all of that. Hudson O'Neill comes from the Double Down Motorsports car and goes over to uh, the, the Rocket House car. And Devin Moran is driving the car that used to be where Hudson O'Neill was. How about all of that by play it's that a went on amongst all those teams? And- Right. Yeah, it's a lot of silly season, and it's kind of, you know, it's impressive that, well, Crockett won as a perennial favorite in the sport, and it's yeah. impressive they could get into that championship, you know, and, and equally very impressive for Devin over there, first year with Double Down to get in. And, right. Um, you know, so, yeah, and I, I can tell you guys, next next month or so, there's a lot more silliness coming. It's just like the sprint car world, uh, you know, don't right. get too comfortable in that seat because things change. Right, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Devin, uh, uh, Brandon Overton had problems with his uh, – right front it, was that a shock problem that he had going on there in the pits because uh, uh, they think I, that they they broke a shock yeah right. it was and there and there was there was a few teams that uh literally broke shocks in half last night so uh that they, they they thought they got it fixed but they didn't and then you know he was out of it he's probably 
happier than anybody for this year to be over because as good as the first half went, like I said, at the Show Me 100, that's when things really started turning south. And a couple weeks later, he gets hurt. You know, he gets banged up there at the, at the Dream at Eldora, and it just it, it all went south for him. And it's just it's a, it's a sport of momentum, guys. And when it's right. it for you and when it's against you, it's on top of you. <laughs> Tim McCready at one point looked like he might have a chance to win that race. What did you think about that? I, I thought so for sure. Um, I mean, he came up through there. I just think is during the later stages, his car uh, was probably a little too tight and uh, just wasn't. But that team made a lot of gains the, as the year went on. They really struggled out of the gate this year. And um, the past two months, they've changed some things in the program. I look for Tim to be back in championship form contention next year. But, yeah, I mean, I really thought during the middle stages, I was like, man, Tim's got the monkey off his back. He's going to get his first Dirt Truck World Championship. And, Still a good finish, finishing the top five, but just uh, didn't have the car there at the end to win. Two other drivers we haven't talked about, Ben, that I thought had a shot at it. Mike Marler, who ran strong earlier in the race, and Brian Shirley led some laps. Right. So Mike Marler actually called me on the way home last night, and um, he had the uh, – they, they had a, a dirt quad knock the canister off the right front shock. Oh. And uh, when, you lose, when you lose that canister off that shock, it, he, he goes, man, he goes, he goes, I was starting to think I was taking crazy pills the way that car started handling. So he was a contender, and then Shirley, heartbreaker, uh, fan got into the radiator. That's what knocked him out. So um, if not, man, I, I don't know. The Brian Shirley doesn't win. He looked really good last night. You know, I was a little shocked that uh, Jonathan Davenport faded to 10th place. Were you a little surprised by that? Well, well it goes back to mechanical failure. Yeah. I mean, he um, – I really think that something went awry in that engine knocked him out because at the point that he goes, it knocks him out. He's the highest-running championship driver. He was behind the P's and Q's, and it sure looked like something went awry in that power plant, but, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but that's what knocked him out. Right. Uh, I, and, and the reason I said uh, mud, mud clawed in the radiator, I'm reading that, uh, the story on dirtondirt.com about uh, – Hudson O'Neill that said that's what happened to Jonathan Davenport. Kevin Kovac, according to his report. Yeah, if, if, if Kevin yeah. went and talked to him, I got out of there pretty quick when it was over. And uh, admittedly, I've been out of bed about an hour, guys. I came, I got home about 7 this morning, and I slept about four hours. So I didn't get to look at that. But, yeah, that I, it was something I didn't know. You know, it looked like maybe it's a rod out of the motor, honestly. You know, when you get that right. spark out the side. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was plenty of chances <clears throat> For catastrophe last night i can tell you that <laughs> hey hey ben i i talked about the story a little bit earlier about lanny edwards coming in and jumping my ass while we were on the air do you remember that <laughs> i uh you know it's funny because i went and announced the high limit race uh larson called in a favor and i he, he needed some help and i went and did the one at Warnerville a few weeks ago and uh tommy estes was there and he was competition director down there in the pits and uh we were revisiting that talking to b walk uh walkopedia brian walker we were telling him about that and i was like boy nothing will put you in your spot and i said i said i didn't know what to do i said scott didn't know what to do and i said i look over and i said freaking estes is in the corner laughing at us because we were getting lannied <laughs> right and uh I'll, I'll never forget that trust me i will never forget that moment scott yeah no doubt and 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 at the time I was uh, interviewing Travis Rylett. It was the first interview that he did after since his he was burned. Since he was burned, and <laughs> me and him are talking, and you're behind me. And next thing I know, oh, oh, Lanny comes in there and just starts mfing us like crazy, didn't he? 
I don't think I've ever – and, look, I've made people mad over the years, deservedly. <laughs> I deserve to be yelled at. I don't think I've ever had anybody that mad at me. I'm married to a redhead, and I've never had anybody that mad at me. So, right. Uh, <laughs> Boy, I never will forget that. I wasn't even there, and I, I can't forget that. So Yeah. And, 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 it, was, and, it was pretty epic. Scott, I'll never forget the next day you called me the next morning, and it was about 10 o'clock. I was telling this the, the other day when I was telling the story, too, and uh, – I was in the hotel and you were like, "You're like, how's how's it going?" And I was like, it, "It's going." He goes, "You go, are you still in Texas? <laughs> you 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 were calling to see if I just gone home." I was like, "I'm right. still here." Yeah, for, for better or worse, I'm still here. <laughs> hey, and, and and just so you know, the next day, because Emmett was really ticked off at Lanny over that, and in fact, right. Emmett went down and got in his bus and left that night. He left early. I remember that. And the next day, Lanny called me up and apologized to me. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how many people Lanny apologizes to after ripping their ass. But no, that was an all, that was probably an all time moment. I'll never forget. He did not apologize to me. I'm glad he apologized to you. He did not apologize to me. And I'll never forget at the time I was helping with the uh, SMP modified tour, the Southern Modified Promotions. We we would do we do one tour through Oklahoma and one through. Uh, Texas, and I'll never forget. I talked to Lanny earlier that day about having a race, one of those races. He was interested. I'll never forget that Saturday night. He's like, as I'm leaving, he goes, Now, don't forget, I, get with me. I really want to have one of those. And I was like, Dude, you are crazy if you think I'm coming back here. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you, you're a, you're a big voice of the short track nationals all those years when it was at the old I 30 Speedway. Are you still involved, even though it's moved on down to Texarkana? You know, Tim Tim Crawley reached out, and uh, just and, and and Scott Kirk. I think you guys can relate more than anybody. Of course, now it's it's this coming weekend, and I've got I've got other commitments. But that weekend, I was to a point. I just need some time at home. Uh, I just right. wrote a ton this year, and I told Tim, I was like, Tim, it's killing me not being there. I said, but you know, Brian will Brian will knock it out of the park like he always does, and I, I'm I think they have Scotty coming into pit report. And I said, those guys have got it, Tim, because. And Tim said, uh, no, dude, I get it. So, unfortunately, I'm not. I hope he's back there next year. And, and really, that weekend, I could have made it when it rained six inches that one day. Um, but this weekend, I've got a non-racing commitment. So, I wouldn't have been able to make it anyway. But now, my uh, this is the first time in a long time I'm not going to be announcing the Short Track Nationals. And I hope to get back next year. But, guys, sometimes you, you just need a break and you got to catch a breath. Well, you, you've got to do that once in a while. you got to pump the brakes a little bit once in a while. Because if you're out on the road full-time, as I know, because I did it for 13 years with the uh, ASCS National Sprint Car Tour, but it, you, you got to pump the brakes once in a while and just give yourself a little time to breathe, right? A million percent, and that's where it came. And if anybody could understand it, it was Tim, and because uh, he's been there, and hey, while he was disappointed uh, that I couldn't be there, he understood. And uh, yeah, man, those they got to. You know, hopefully Mother Nature's a, a, a fan to them this weekend, and they you know they got a good entry list, and they're working really hard. And uh, man, I just hope that's a that's just a minor, a great event for them. And I'm excited for Tim and Laura and everything that they're doing down there. Just so you know, I went down on Wednesday for the short track nationals, and I got down there, and it rained out, and I was a hundred miles from the racetrack. Hey. <laughs> Well, you would have been better than being at the track. You're, you might have been floating away if you'd been at the <laughs> right, track. Right, no doubt about it. Hey, but the <laughs> the forecast doesn't look really that good this weekend, does it? Does it not? I have not looked. I was going to usually, a lot of these racers, they know that I like dabbling in the weather. Now, I'm awful at it, but I like I like reading weather models. Usually, I'll start looking on Monday for the, the races coming up. And 
I, I knew that one of my the other racers told me this morning the forecast wasn't looking great. As of, well, it was yesterday. As of yesterday for uh, Lucas Oil Speedway, that you know they're trying to have that MLRA finale. And, right. Man, it's just a time of year. It's just like Eldora up there. You know, they three days of rain, and uh, it's just. It's October, and some you could you could have an 80 degree day, or you could have a 40 degree day with rain, and you know you roll the dice and hope for the best. And man, I hope it changes for them. I really want them to have that event down there, and uh, you know start a new tradition. Well, I got to tell you, after all the hard work you did at Eldora Speedway this week, that's got to be the most work any pit reporter has done at a dirt track, and uh, all the hard work <laughs> you deserve a little bit of. A rest after such a great job you did at Eldora Speedway this no week. No That was great work, you, you and uh, Kevin Weaver and everybody. Hey, Ben, just so you know, we think you're one of the very best in the business at what you do. Well, well I appreciate it, Scott, and you were, you were a major factor. You know you know dang well. You're a major factor in getting me launched in this. You know, with, without you getting me out there with ASCS, and, you know, from there that opened a lot of doors, and, you know, one Michael Rigsby and, different people uh you know i've always said you're only as good as people you surround yourself with and i've been lucky to be surrounded by some great people and uh i do appreciate it i'm getting old man the gray hairs tell the story but uh, i'm very thankful to get to do what i do yeah well that team you had it that with james essex and dustin jarrett and yourself and everybody working that uh great job by everybody it was a fantastic job they're great guys. You know, at the end of the day, we're just huge race fans, man. I still can't believe we get paid to talk about race cars. There's probably people that aren't fans of us that can't believe we get paid to talk about race cars either. But, right. uh, you know, it's we have a great time together. I'm very thankful for that group. But I can tell you, we were all uh, we were all whooped last night by the time it was over. Everybody's ready to be home. and uh, But you know how it is. You give a few days, and then you're ready to get back after it. It's a disease. It gets in your blood, man. You can't get rid of it. Yep, no doubt about it. Ben, thanks for taking the time to join us, man. I know it was a last-minute notice, so I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. Always, guys. I appreciate you, and I hope you guys have a great week. All right. Thank you, Ben. All right. Thanks much. Right. Take, take care. There you have it, Ben Shelton, one of the great announcers in motorsports. Yeah, they all – He does that whole, that whole announce crew at Eldora, that, man, those guys are great. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Todd, we want to take a break right now. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, it's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. And uh, we want to thank our good friends up at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum as well. We'll be back with more right here on Mostly Motorsports. We'll be right back. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers, that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. And as I've said many times over the years, one of my favorite pit reporters is Chase Rodman. He joins us now. Man, let me tell you, uh, Chase, when I rolled out of Devil's Bowl, I had a little tear running down my eye. How about you? I, I didn't pot him up. That's That was the problem. I didn't have him potted up. Chase Rodman, one of the best pit reporters in the business, joins us now. And um, I, I just said a, a, a second ago that when I rolled out a Devil's Bowl, because I don't know if you know this, but the ASCS National Tour, we went down there in the spring, the summer, and the fall. So I was down there three times a year. And – that, that place means a lot to me, and when I rolled out of there, I kind of had a little tear shed out of my eye. How about you? Well, I think a lot of people did. Um, as for me, uh, you know, I've only been there, I think that was probably my seventh, seventh or eighth time there. Uh, you know, didn't quite have the same feelings towards that track as maybe other ones that I do, but, you know, it is sad just thinking of the history that that place has involved with it you know i mean obviously the first world of outlaws race ever held there um it was i talked to a lot of guys that were there back in the day you know i talked to uh, johnny herrera i was talking to shane carson um i know that there was a lot of other guys that were there as well that were racing there back in the you know the 80s and the, and the late 70s as well and heard stories from them and uh even just talking to fans all weekend uh you could just tell that it was it was a really really emotional weekend for a lot of people, people right. that have been going there for so long. So um, it was it was definitely tough, but, man, did it go out with a bang. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, to me, it seemed like James McFadden, on those restarts, he would gap everybody by, by a good distance. He was getting exceptional restarts, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very good on the, on the restarts, but then it would take maybe about three laps or so for Gravel to – uh, reel him back in, and, it's, and it sounded like from his post-race interview that you know James was getting a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter as the race went on, and you could really tell, especially for me, uh, from watching in the infield, it looked like he was really having issues in turn one. He kept kind of washing off the bottom and, and kind of getting in the middle, and that's where Gravel would make up a lot of his time. Uh, but, man, I wasn't expecting Gravel at all. You know, on that last corner, uh, you know, he, he flies in on the top of the track, and I felt like for the last 10 laps or so, Scott, I mean, you were there too. I, I feel right. like there wasn't really anybody up front that was running the top very good. And Gravel, I mean, he must not have lifted because he made it work, obviously, and, and barely cleared him at the line. I was surprised to see him. I went back and watched the replay, and he was pretty far behind entering the corner, and he still was able to 
make something happen. So, right. um, yeah, McFadden's car to me, and it sounded like to him, it just got a little bit worse as the race went on. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, and, and, and listen, the job that Brad Sweet's crew did to get his car back out there on the racetrack, they had to replace the front axle, the, the top wing, the nose wing, and I don't know what else they had to do to the car, but they did a fantastic job getting him back out there on the racetrack, didn't they? Yeah, and they they didn't really have uh, as much help as you know you would normally see at a World of Outlaws race when somebody comes into the work area due to that open red flag. So all the other you know teams and crew guys were uh, going over to work on their own cars or you know put fuel in them or whatever they had to do to maybe make adjustments or whatever. So it was really just. You know, Eric Prutzman, uh, Ty Wolfgang, Andrew Bowman, those were right. those were the three guys on the 49 car all year long. They had a couple of guys um, from Casey's crew that were down there. Casey wasn't going to make it back out, and they realized that they needed to get uh, Brad out there for the championship purposes. So, right. uh, you know, they had Casey's guys out there as well with uh, Peyton Grease and, and uh, Piglet and a couple of those guys over there. So, uh, they got it done, man. Uh, like you said, uh, front end, nose wing, top wing. The wing ram was also a problem. Uh, the shocks were both killed on that thing. So, uh, and then it wasn't done then. I mean, they had to come back in right. after he had a flat left retire. You know, so, right, right. Uh, they they rallied back to a seventh place run, which uh, was shocking to a lot of people. I think. Uh, let me say this: at, at one point, Tim Crawley was trying to help um, Brad Sweet get his car back together. And an official come over and said, get away from that car. Only the crew members can help on that race car. Now, I, I call that BS, and, and so did Brad Sweet, because he looked right at that official and he said, that's bullshit. You can't do that. You, you can't allow uh, just anybody to come in there and work on the car. And Tim Crawley was wanting to help on the car. But once that official said something to Tim Crawley, Crawley never went back in there and helped on that race car. Yeah, and I think what happened there was, uh, you know, I did hear about that. That official, I, mean, I don't even know if you can call him really an official, Chris Dolak, he's the, you know, the head PR guy with the World of Outlaws. He was there for just that weekend because of everything going on with Devil's Bowl. And there was a lot of race fans down there in the infield. Uh, I mean, there was people all over the place. I mean, obviously – the front stretch grandstands were sold out the back stretch there are people standing along the fence back there i mean they had to move people into the infield just so they could watch the race right and so a lot of them migrated towards the work area and so i think what happened there was you know dolak didn't really know uh you know that that was tim crawley right he didn't really know that maybe he thought it was just a random race fan that was trying to get in there and you know maybe not trying to help maybe he was just getting in the way you know right 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 i don't fault I don't fault Chris Dolak at all for that. I think he was trying to help and not have some random guy get in there that he didn't know. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, obviously tempers are not, I don't know about tempers, but emotions are, are flowing at that point in time. Right. I mean, Brad's trying to get back out there to try and keep himself in the championship points lead. Right. So he's yelling and everybody else is yelling and going right, crazy. Right. So, right. Right. Uh, yeah. It's a tough situation. So, and, and unfortunately, Blake Hahn got taken out in that accident as well, and he had a pretty good run going on. He started at 11th or 12th both both nights in the feature, and, and he did a pretty decent job, really. Yeah, he did. He was, yeah, like you said, he was, I think he's finished third or fourth in his heat race both nights, so he was lined up in a decent spot. And I know that he definitely didn't want 
uh, his final race at Devil's Bowl to end like that. You know, I, I talked to him on Friday for the pre-race show, and he was getting pretty emotional for his interview. You know, he was yeah. he was pretty upset that everything was closing down, and that was a really special place to him and his family. So uh, I know that he would have liked to see that last checkered flag, but unfortunately got caught up with that incident with Casey and Brad. So, uh, and it happened right at the front of the field, obviously. So it was going to be tough to miss. Yeah, no uh, doubt. What what happened there? So how how about Brad Sweet himself getting out of the car and who helps lift the car off the fence? Brad Sweet himself gets it down there. He's working on the race car. Yeah, him and I mean I was standing right there. Him and Casey both got out of their cars to help get the forty nine off of the off the front stretch wall. Um, and you know Brad got in and out of his car two or three times just trying to you know, do what he could, you know, take the car out of gear, put it back in gear, or, you know, get out, see what the car looks like, tell his crew, hey, we need this and this. Uh, you know, and that's not the first time that I've seen that with Brad. You know, there, the first race I ever did at Terre Haute, he went in the work area three times that night. He jumped out of his car a couple times to try and help, and he had an impact gun on his hand. And, you know, from what most people probably don't know is Brad actually does know um, how to work on these cars. He knows how to put them together. Um, he knows how to fix them. You know, a lot of drivers, maybe they do know how to fix them and put them together, but I feel like a lot of them maybe don't, you know, and they can't right. jump out of their car and put stuff back together. But Brad, uh, over the years, he's actually, you know, when he doesn't do outlaw stuff, I've seen him crew chief for guys at Silver Dollar Speedway with my own eyes. You know, I've seen him go down there and help people out and, and fix cars and get involved. So, um, you know, he was trying to do everything he could. You know, he was running around, like I said, with the – uh, with an impact gun when he could have been sitting in the car waiting for him to fix it, you know? Well, I know that Casey Kane is the last person that wanted to see what happened happened the other night, but what what did you see? How those two guys got together, the boss and his driver getting together on the on the front stretch that caused that big wreck? Yeah, it was kind of tough to tell live. Um, you know, I was kind of standing in an area where I was kind of behind all the mules on the front stretch, and so I couldn't see too well off of four, but I did watch the replay, and it kind of seemed like Casey was down the track a little bit, right? But also, you know, we heard drivers talking all weekend about the bottom being pretty greasy. And Brad was pretty far down the track, and I don't know, maybe he got on the gas and it was a little greasy down there that low on the track, and maybe he slid up a little bit uh, and, and just ran over the left front of Casey. Obviously, obviously, there's no intentions there with car right. owner and driver. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, everybody's trying to win the last race at Devil's Bowl, and not uh, leaving too much room for for mistakes there. So, um, yeah, I couldn't really tell. I don't. I can put a blame on anybody really. I just think right. they were both let, got in you know little the same spot there and and uh, got together. Let let me say this: the 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 topic for the weekend was it was a little greasy down on the bottom, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what you know. Gravel mentioned that a few times on Friday night specifically. And I think it was still relatively greasy on, on Saturday as well uh, for the final race. Uh, you know, during opening ceremonies, you know, we had a pretty lengthy opening ceremonies thing to, you know, do some special things like that. But uh, the, I was standing on the front stretch and right in the middle of the front stretch from the middle to the, to the inside wall. I mean, it was, there was like standing water in some spots. Right, yeah. Uh, it was like sliding around all over the place, you know, so – uh, I'm sure it was kind of like that as well on the bottom side of the corners. So, and I, and, you know, it took us a lot of hot lap sessions to get the track ran in. It was almost wetter, I think, right. on Saturday than it was on Friday, which was kind of surprising. Hey, hey, let me ask you this. 
does the, the, the world of outlaws, do they dictate on what they want to do to the track? Because it seemed like on Friday night that they just went out there and started ripping the track and putting water on it. Was that was that the world of outlaws call or was that the tracks call? Yeah, so what I think a lot of people that aren't really in the know with the world of outlaws, I'm talking about all the people that are posting comments on Facebook and stuff, you know, and sprintcarfan.com Facebook page and all these people, they think that the outlaws have all of the say in what goes on as far as track prep goes. The outlaws have zero say in what happens, but I do think that they have a little bit of, I guess, if this makes sense, some influence, right? Like, hey, you know, we're running late. Like, let's not be, you know, touching the track right now. We got to get this thing going, right? Right. And we'll say that when Mike Hess was there, uh, he also would go out on the racetrack and he would give um, feedback, right? Or he would give some suggestions to the track crew on what he thinks they should be doing. Obviously, Mike's a, a longtime racer or a successful racer. Right. Uh, but Don Grady, he's now the in that spot for Mike Hess. He didn't really have that. Uh, that behind the wheel uh, aspect, right? So I don't think he's the one. He's not saying, "Hey, I think we should be telling the top, yada yada." I think that was all the track this weekend. So, and that's how it's always been since I've been here. The outlaws don't have a tiller that follows them around or a water truck that follows them around every race. Uh, it's all the tracks making the decisions to try and get the best product. Yeah, and, and, and it seemed like that they had to get the stock cars out there and roll the racetrack in, and then they had to bring out the sprint cars and and run them a little bit to get the track to come in a little bit as well on Friday night, right? Yeah, and, I mean, Saturday was extremely long for hot laps. I mean, I think each uh, hot lap group had to come out twice for the sprint cars, Um, and then they actually had to switch the schedule up a little bit. It was supposed to be the, the stock cars and then the outlaws, and then uh, the modifieds, that they actually put the modifieds before the sprint cars just because the track was so wet. It was still very greasy all the way across the surface. So they were trying to get that ran in to where they wouldn't have to do what they had to do with the sprint cars. But it was so greasy that they did have to uh, end up practicing everybody twice to get it in a good spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just what happens sometimes, right? And, right. Uh, I think if it's any other series, you know, they might just say, hey, we're just going to qualify like this, you know, but that's just not how the outlaws roll. Uh, Brad Sweet, uh, I mean, for him to come back and finish seventh in that race, I mean, that's just what championships are made of, isn't it? Uh, it just, it, it just absolutely incredible that they were able to fix that race car and still finish seventh. Uh, I mean, you, it, it, it has to be so disheartening to somebody like David Gravel who goes out and wins the race and then he looks back there and sees Sweet finish seventh. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. That's what that's how championships are won. Uh, on nights like that, when they're able to still, um, you know, put something together, go to the work area two times and come back to still run inside the top ten, close to a top five. Uh, but, you know, obviously there was some things that went Brad's way. Uh, you know, Sheldon uh, blowing an engine, Carson having no power steering, a couple other crashes happening to take out guys that were – equally as fast or maybe faster than Brad, especially when he went to the back, that were going to be tough to pass. But uh, you had a lot of them get knocked out of the race, which helped him uh, vault back into the top ten. So uh, he definitely had some luck on his side for sure. 
but there's you can't discount what the crew did to get him back on the racetrack, right? I mean, uh, they did everything right. They 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 performed under the pressure, um, and were able to and were able to make it happen. And what was kind of interesting was, you know, David in his interview was like, yeah, you know, I saw Brad had some problems and. You know, we're not really worried about him. We're worried about winning this race and winning races the rest of the year, blah, blah, blah. And then McFadden said, you know, I, you know, Brad had a problem now. At least it's a close championship battle for uh, the fans, you know, at, at Charlotte or something. And everybody, and like, I don't think anybody in the podium realized that Brad had come back to run seventh and it's still a 50 point, you know, lead for him right. heading into Charlotte. Right. So um, I, I think they were all, I mean, maybe when they got back to the trailer and looked at the rundown, I'm like, wow, uh, Brad actually ran seventh. That's, that's crazy. Hey, uh, your thoughts about Carson Messina winning on Friday night? The entire Johnson family was there. That was a big moment. That was big. You had Jack's there, Bobby, uh, Jason's parents. Uh, that was a pretty special moment. Yeah, it certainly was. And, uh, you know, Carson has been very, very close to winning there a lot. I mean, he's that was his – so Friday night was the seventh start at Devil's Bowl, and he'd never been worse than seventh before in his entire – uh, outlaw career and he'd been on the podium several times but couldn't quite get that win you know so mm-hmm. uh, he he finally does that with everybody as you mentioned uh being there jason's favorite racetrack uh jason the track record holder there with the world of outlaws so definitely a big deal and what's cool about carson is he knows it right he knows that that is a big deal he doesn't take it for granted he knows that um it was a special moment for for the car for the family for, for phil Dietz and everybody uh behind the scenes as well um, and that's why I like Carson so much. You know, he appreciates things like that, and uh, he's grateful for the opportunity to drive that car, and uh, he realizes how big of a deal it was for him to win there. So um, huge deal for him. And it was cool also that the last two races at Devil's Bowl, we had two more first-time winners there to make it an even 30 different uh, World of Outlaws winners there yeah. uh, in its history. So that was pretty cool too. Carson Macedo told me after the race when I did an interview with him, he said that, he hopes that he can drive forever for Phil Dietz. Phil Dietz is one of the greatest crew chiefs in the business, isn't he? Yeah, and I almost think he's a little bit uh, under the radar, you know. And yeah, uh, him and Cody Jacobs. Cody Jacobs, I feel like this year is kind of really getting a, a little bit more press time, I guess you could say. Uh, but I feel like both those guys are just a little bit under the radar uh, for for the general public. But yeah, and Phil, you know, he's one of the most calm guys. Uh, with when something goes wrong, he's not you know, throwing it, throwing stuff around. He's not yelling and screaming. He's right. He's a very, very calm guy, very collected. Mellow. Uh, and mellow. Mel- that's, that's a yeah. good word to use. And yeah. um, he, he knows exactly what the car needs to, to make it go fast. If it ain't going fast, he knows what to do. He doesn't like um, doing interviews. I know that. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he's helped us a little bit with our stuff. Uh, when we do our Milton Hershey educational moments, he's, he's helped us do a couple of those. And very rarely, you know, I, I try and, use him sparingly you know once every three months hey Phil, yeah. can you help us out you know <laughs> right. oh, okay yeah and then all right you're you're good for three months we'll talk to you back in in september you know so yeah uh he's he's a really nice guy hey so the traffic really held held up uh james mcfadden and that's what really made it uh made for the pass for david gravel to pass mcfadden in that lap traffic wasn't it yeah, and uh, that's what people were talking about in the dash draw. Uh, you know, they said that traffic was probably going to be the deciding factor, but it took so long. It took to the, get almost, there. Yeah, it took a third of the ra- or two thirds of the race to get there with all the yellows and reds that we had. Uh, so they really, the only time they got to traffic was on that last run when gravel passed them. 
you know. So uh, it, it made it exciting for sure. And, you know, I, I hate to I hate to toot my own horn here, guys, but right before the feature I said something. You know, I, I said, I think that there's something special brewing here tonight. I mean, with all the people there, it felt like there was this energy in the air. It almost felt like Saturday night at the Chili Bowl to me. With yeah. so many people there, and you could just kind of feel that energy brewing and getting bigger and bigger. And I said something like, you know, I think there's going to be uh, something special that happens here, a last lap pass, a, a photo finish, or something, you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I looked into my crystal ball, and, and, it, and it ended up working out. But um, a last lap pass and a photo finish. Right. Yeah, I heard uh, but, you say that, and, boy, you had no idea what was going to happen. No. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes as an announcer, you kind of got to paint the picture a little bit, you know, uh, crazier than it actually might be. But, man, sometimes it, it works out, you know. So um, it was it was awesome. Just so awesome. I don't know if you guys saw that picture that Trent Gower uh, posted on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, but it was a, the picture of the finish with, with David Gravel and, and James McFadden basically, you know, rubbing tires coming across the line with that sellout crowd in the background. But what was so cool was Riley Goodno, sure, he was a lap down, but he was like right there in front of him, almost three wide across the line. And Goodno's in that Jimmy Boyd tribute car, the car that won the very first World of Outlaws race at Devil's Bowl in 1978. And then you had him right there on a last lap pass for the very last race at Devil's Bowl in 2023. It was such a cool picture. And, I mean, you you couldn't literally couldn't write a better script for that whole thing to happen. Right. It, 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 would you agree with me that that race that night – had as, about as much carnage as I've ever seen in a World of Outlaw race because you don't see that very often, do you? No, you don't. I think it happens maybe twice a year, maybe three times a year, where we have a lot of issues on the track and a lot of guys go into the to the work area. I think the other time this year was at Cedar Lake when, I mean, I want to say there was eight platinum guys that came into the work area uh, throughout the race. Um and uh, so it's been been a little while. So then it happens again at Devil's Bowl. But uh, yeah, I mean there was a lot of chaos, a lot of you know tore up stuff. You know Brad came into the work area twice. Carson was in there twice. Noah Gas came in twice. Shuhart was in there. Zierfoss was in there. And that's just the platinum guys. You know, and Haferteep and right. Didno came in, and a couple other guys. So uh, it definitely kept me busy down there. Uh, yeah, yeah you know, no, no Saturday doubt. Night. Hey, I, th- I think Trent Gower can cash in really big on that photo. By the way. That's gonna yeah, be... that thing, that photo's got to be hanging in the Sprint Car Hall of Fame. It has no to doubt. At some point. Hey, just so you know, I talked my way into the Devil's Bowl. Just so you know. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, but I obviously didn't get too much time to talk to you there. But, yeah, I was wondering how that I wasn't really hey, worried uh, about so, that. So, I, when I got down there, <laughs> I went over to the World of Outlaw trailer, and there was a guy in there, and he went up and checked my credentials and noticed that I'd been to Lakeside and – us 36 and he said yeah give him a two-day pass and, and you were at eldora speedway too yeah so i got in oh, yeah <laughs> it was all right it was gonna be good I, I'm, I'm sorry that i leaned on you a little hard there chase well that's all right uh you know it's just sometimes when it comes to the credential stuff uh they, they like to have us in there early having our have that list in there early but it's good to hear that uh you were able to make it work and i feel like you've done enough for the the racing world especially being the Devil's Bowl so many times, I think you uh, more than deserved to, to be oh, on the yeah. credential list. I, I, I wasn't race. worried about that. So what do you do? It's two weeks now to the World Finals. What do you do next weekend? So uh, this, uh, what's today, Monday? So tomorrow I'm actually heading 
to Columbus, Ohio, going to get a hotel room uh, and then be on a plane on Wednesday, and I'm going to fly back to California uh, for the first race with the um, first race with the, with the Red Bluff Outlaws Outlaw Kart Series uh, okay. out there indoor deal. Um, I'll be announcing over there. Also, be doing I do all the marketing, the the social media stuff there. Uh, so I'll fly out a few days early. They're actually building the track right now inside uh, of the Pauline Davis Pavilion, and I'll be helping putting up banners. And and uh, Friday night we got a practice down there, so I'll hop on a push quad and help guys that maybe spin out or push fire cars off or whatever. And then we race on Saturday for the first time. So yeah. it's gonna be fun. Uh, Landon Brooks, he just uh, had a great week at the at the Trophy Cup. He'll be there. Tanner Holmes, he'll be there racing as well as a lot of other guys. Former Power Eye champion Jesse Caldwell is going to be racing. Uh, and, I mean, there's a bunch of other guys as well that, that show up to that place. So uh, I'll be there. That'll probably be the only race I make it to over there. But um, we got an off weekend at the perfect time to be there for the first one. So that's my plans for the next uh, next week here. Let, let me ask you a tough question. Do you think Brad Sweet will run with the World of Outlaws next year? Uh. No, I don't think so. I, I, I do not. Um, I, I think there's about a 6% chance that he does. I don't even know where I came up with that number. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. Well, I I think that's a, a big loss for the series as well. Because, to be honest with you, I think Brad Sweet could win 10 championships. if The way he's running right now, he's very consistent. He knows how to win championships. He knows that he's got to run around fifth every night. And I, I just think that he has a he's chance. Got, he's got other priorities I think he's now. got another chance to to win ten championships just like uh, Donnie Schatz. He's got other priorities now. Yeah, and it's surprising that, I mean, obviously, like Kirk said, he's got other stuff going on right now, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's got things he's trying to plan for his future, his, his retirement, whatever you want to say. Uh, but there's no doubt he's at the top of his game right now. He's got – I mean, right now it's easy to say he's got five more years of championships in him to, to tie Donnie and maybe even do one more. You know, it's crazy to think uh, that that he's going to call it – I mean, I don't know yet. It's not even official. I have no idea. Right. But, like, I mean, I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see him coming back, no. you know. So, yeah. um, crazy to think that that is a possibility. Um, but I, I will say this as well. It seems like, you know, I talked to Donnie actually about this a few weeks or a few months ago that guys are starting to retire from sprint car racing full time way earlier in their like, you know, younger, I should say, than in the past. You know, Steve Kinzer did it for so long, but now you got guys like Darren Pittman and Shane Stewart and, and now, uh, you know, some other guys as well that are retiring, I would say, relatively young compared to what we used to see right right because they don't want to get hurt right well because the yeah, money is I, much better now than it used to be yeah and there you know there's guys that are making smart financial decisions you know darren with you know ultra shield and shane with port city and now brad with high limit or whatever i mean they're finding other things to in the racing industry to to get them get them through you know right yep no doubt chase we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on uh, mostly motorsports what do you want to ask Kurt? i'm just going to say you brought up landon brooks's name the other night i feel for him he got nipped by rico there on that photo finish on on thursday night at the trophy cap that i thought he had that thing won yeah i thought he did too i was watching and i was really hoping he would be able to hang on he's had a breakout year uh in the sprint car you know he Started the year out with the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series that you know, World Racing Group has, but 
uh, got that sprint car deal going and at one point in time, I think won three, four, five races in a row in the 360. And then I wasn't really expecting him to do what he did at Trophy Cup. I mean, that is the biggest 360 race in the country. Almost wins a prelim night. And then I think he was fifth on the finale, maybe fourth after the dis- disqualification of Logan Seavey. So uh, he had a breakout year and, and now he gets to showcase his talents here this winter when we go indoors with uh, with the Red Bluff Outlaws here coming up soon. So hopefully, you know, when when you get a guy like that that's kind of grown his brand and his name over the year, hopefully that can bring some more eyeballs to that type of racing. Right. When we he he go, ended go up fifth behind Corey Day, Buddy Kofoid, Shane Golubic, and Dominic Selsey. Not bad. Not too yeah, bad. Yeah, those are pretty good guys to, to ride behind, especially when he's only got maybe two years of sprint car experience. So. Yeah. He's going to be a guy to watch for over the next couple of years. He's kind of under the radar, I'd say. Chase, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Doing it every Monday with us right here on Mostly Motorsports. We can't thank you enough for doing it. All right, guys. Appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Scott, it was good to see you. All, All right. right. We'll preview the, the World Finals next Monday. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. We'll That's talk it. to you then. Thanks. All right. That's Chase Rodman. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more. I think Trenton Berry is going to join us here in just a little bit as well. So we'll be back with more with Mostly Motorsports. Again, all brought to you by Rod and Supply. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod & Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod & Supply is an assortment of Rod & Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod & Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. 
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an all-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months, and that got really, really expensive, so having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life, and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's Track Talk. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Their season is over. And, Kirk, um, there's a lot of things going on up at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, in there? And once again, a Corvette to be given away in 2024. This time it's going to be a Torch Red Z06 Corvette Convertible with a Z07 Performance Package and $25,000 cash to the grand prize winner that'll be drawn the week after the Knoxville National Sixth Year. Get signed up for that at 
winaz06corvette.com. And we got the sprint car they're going to be giving away in December of 2024. The sprint car raffle going on, a triple X chassis with a new Al Parker 410 racing engine. Go to winasprintcar.com to get registered for that sweepstakes drawing, and all the proceeds go to a great cause. The advancement of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, the Brian Clausen Suite Tower, has been paid off, but they're constantly doing things to upgrade the museum every year. Bob Baker and his team up there, uh, great volunteers up there at the Hall of Fame, do a great job. It's open the year-round, with the exception of a couple of holidays, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving. You know what I want to be, Kirk? I want to be a volunteer up at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum someday. Bad. Someday. I, yeah, I, I, me too. When, when I me get too. out, when, when we get out of this radio game. We're going to volunteer. We're going to volunteer. Yep, yep, we're going to absolutely do it. The Sprint Car, uh, you saw the uh, commercial for the uh, uh, Sprint Car Stuff. Yeah. SprintCarStuff.com. Yep. Make you do your Christmas shopping in there. You can buy a lot of good yeah. merchandise, books, a lot of great things that are up there. Pictures, picture frames with uh, great artwork behind them. It, it, it's just a great place, man. And we don't know what uh, track exhibit they'll do next year. They had Williams Grove Speedway this year. Yeah. That was a great exhibit. They no had doubt. Ascot Park the year before that. Uh, we'll find out what 2024 has in store as the uh, salute in 2024. So that'll be coming up. In the next few months, we'll find out what that's going to be about. Joining us now on the show is our good friend from RacingDirt.com. Trenton Barry joins us. Trenton, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man. Just a uh, just another Monday. Glad to be here with you guys. So, what what did you think of our Chiefs yesterday? Uh, they they looked all right. I mean, it was. I think it was okay. I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't notice anything that was too crazy either either uh, outstanding or bad it was uh i think it might have been nice to have have hardman back maybe uh maybe a little re reframed focus from him um well healthy i I, cool. I i think that that was a good hire to be honest with you yeah i, yeah. I think so too i um you know one of his big gripes last year was he he could not return punts and he did not seem to struggle with that and that is a position of need so um i know it's just one game but you know he's He's a burner if you can just get the ball in his hands and, and he's healthy. So, right. Um, I was I was happy to see that. So yeah, I think I think all in all it was uh, it was pretty good. I mean the Chargers hey. don't bring much. They don't they don't ever really bring much. So, um, I'm you know I think we're yeah, seven and tr- truthfully th- yeah. seven and three against the Chargers right now. I believe it is. Yeah. Seven tr- and seven. Tr- oh no, hold on. It's eight and two. I believe it is. Eight and two. Yeah. Truth. Truthfully, I'm sick of us having to play them twice a year, to be honest. But um, it is what it is. So uh, I, I look at them as supposed to be wins, and I I really feel bad for Justin Herbert because I think if Herbert was our quarterback, I think the Chiefs still win. Um, he just has had no coaching. Absolutely. I mean, just zero. They they are just that's a that's horrendous. If if this Brandon Staley makes it to the end of the year, I'll be amazed. They didn't score at all in the second half after scoring 17 in the yeah. first half. That was pretty amazing. Just, uh, He's a he's a he's a train wreck. Let, let me let, let's just say this: the Chiefs' defense is one of the top defenses in the league right now. Would you Man, agree with that? that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to, and um, 
it's it's pretty wild. Amenahu made a huge difference yesterday. Uh, he was big time. Yeah, maker, hey, so. hate to see Bolton go down though. Yeah, I did too. I did too. He's he's as good as it gets out of that entire defense as well. You know, he's he's one of the dogs. So um, he makes. They a, said dis, dislocated wrist, right? Or wasn't that what it was? Uh, Maurice, well, that's good. Maurice that's says Chiefs better beat the Eagles. <laughs> Marie's not an Eagles fan. She's, she's not. A, fan? She's not an Eagles fan. She Living must in, be a Steelers fan. She I, must I'm be not a, sure. What, I don't know. Who what she's you, a fan of? Hey, what do you think of the Bills losing to the Patriots yesterday? Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. So uh, that 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 made my heart smile too. I was happy. No uh, doubt, it was good. Josh Allen, he just just put him out there. He'll he'll hand the ball to you at some point, <laughs> right? Um, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't really know who's good. I, I think the Dolphins are pretty good. I think the Eagles are good. The 49ers are good. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a team or two there, but the Dolphins uh, is going to the Dolphins are going to be the toughest game the Chiefs have to play all year. I'll tell you, a team, yeah, you better well, watch I, out for the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore is, is the Ravens. A, yeah, the Ravens yeah. are going to be. They're pretty good. Yeah, I think the Ravens will take care of a lot of teams that we we thought we might be worried about when we go into the playoffs. I think I think yeah. Ravens will probably we're going to win our division obviously because of where we're already at in the standings. I mean, we have one more game right. next week, but I think we probably already won it, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I'm sure on paper, I'm sure there's still a, a, a way that somebody could do it, but no, you're right, Trenton. It's not that's not happening. I'm like you if 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 that quarterback was on any other team, I'd be worried because that guy's an actual. Oh my gosh! He's he's a real yeah, he's, he's a, a good quarterback. Yeah, and yes, I feel bad for yes, that kid. Him and the guy in Jacksonville have right. been dealt the worst blows for quarterback for coaches. Like I mean, there's nothing that those guys could do to you know. I mean, it's it's just. I don't know. I feel bad for those young guys. Uh, I, I think Marie is a Chiefs fan because she says, hell no, Chiefs all the way fan. Go. Oh, good for you, Marie. Yeah. Maybe that's why she listens to us all the time. Maybe so. She's there a Chiefs go. fan. Hey, hey, one thing. Uh, I love Marie. I, like, I, I think uh, I think this this Rashi Rice, is, he looks a little better every week. I'm, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm coming around there. That might have been a good draft pick. We don't know yet for sure, but I – it's it's looking pretty good. Hey, he could be the guy that replaces Travis Kelsey. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not not in position, but no. in production. Yeah, in, for in, sure. In reception yards, for sure. And, yeah, yeah. He's gonna. It'll you take. Saw how, you saw how easy. You know, Kelsey gets up there and makes it look so easy, and you see how easy it was. <laughs> They they ran a Kelsey pattern to old old Belldozer, and he became the fumble dozer. Yeah, yeah, uh, no doubt. Right away there yesterday. All right, what are your highlights from this past weekend? You had some good racing action. We watched the Fuzzies Fall Fling from uh, Creek County over yeah. the weekend. You had the spooker going on down at Tri-State. Your thoughts about uh, what was on Racing Dirt this past weekend? Well, so it was uh, it, it was a pretty good it's pretty good weekend, I think, all in all. You know, for um, that that spooker's been around for forty four years. That, that's crazy to think of races been in existence that long, and uh, the racetrack had new ownership. So this was uh, this is new people's uh, first first go at it, but it wasn't it wasn't really because it's the son of this gentleman named Sonny Davis that had owned it at a at a previous time, and, and I know he's still kind of helping there a little bit um, in the background some. And, but anyway, it was it was cool. Uh, I got a I got a picture of the grandstands right before the show started there on Saturday night, and the place was just packed out. 
250 some cars and, and it was it was really good and the racetrack held most of the night it rubbered right at the very end but um all in all it was uh it was pretty cool to see that that thing's a that's a tried and true institution in in that part of the country um is that race and uh, fuzzy's fall fling was uh was was neat there at creek county as well so yeah yeah i don't have any don't have any complaints and it looked like it was a good weekend all around I, i'll tell you guys i was i was glued on what what didn't happen and then what ultimately did happen in Eldora this weekend was was uh that was, was a really, great race uh, man wow it was and that was that I, I paid a bunch of attention to that to see how that all unfolded while i was watching football yesterday yeah, that was about as classic and epic a uh, late model race I think I've ever seen. I, I, I've been around for a long time. I thought that Bobby Pierce was going to win that race. Did you think so at one point? Yeah, yeah, early. But then you know it was just so much attrition. But yeah, early he looked good. JD looked good there early too, especially Mike Marler did. You know, right at the drop of the green, Marler was good. Yep, yep. I think they said you know it, it kind of took its toll as a, as the race went on, but the um, the track was pretty rugged. You've got to admit, yeah. and, and to be honest with yeah. you, uh, the winner of the race, um, Brandon Shepard. Brandon, Brandon Shepard. Did you notice where he was running? He was up in the muck. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. He was up yeah. in the muck, running above all that rough stuff, and he was just sticking it in the muck every time that he went down into turn one. Yeah. I know. I know that he did down there as well. But and he he was out of time too. That was what was so crazy. He he ran out of fuel there coming to the white flag, and you know he just had an intermittent throttle there on the last lap and was was totally done by by the time he came to the checkers and almost cost him the race. I mean there was there was so much. Oh my gosh, there was so much that took place during that thing. And Shepard was in the pits a couple of times himself early in the race. Hudson mm-hmm. O'Neill came in twice to change a right rear and a right front yeah. tire and he was a lap down yeah. at one point you know i had to get the lucky dog hudson got that lucky dog to get back on the lead lap i was shocked that they didn't throw a red and allow those guys to put some fuel in their cars were you surprised about that yeah a little bit a little bit you know you want to know what i'm ultimately the most surprised about yeah that was kind of a long it was kind of a long yellow flag there when when Ricky was working on his front end, they basically had to rebuild the front end there early in that race. Um, I know you can't you can't have different rules, right? You can't you can't say you're going to run this race any different than any of the rest of them. I really was surprised, you know, that Ricky didn't get a couple more laps right there. And that that crew was busting it, and they had the drone right there showing them working on the car. And, just with everything that was on the line, and and I know that's it's weird. That's not a thing you can put in writing, but guys, we we've all set enough of those boxes with the officials. Y- you can think there's some debris. You can think that you need to run through that computer one more time to make sure that lineup's good. There's there's five to ten things that you can need to think really hard about that are going to cause an extra lap. And if you have to think about too many of those things, that could become two or three laps pretty right. quickly, and you and you can keep yourself occupied. We've all sat there and seen it. Ricky Thornton. I just was, I just was surprised that they went green with him back in the pits. I'm not saying that it's wrong, because I, I, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong at all that they did it. 
it just surprised me that that's how it played out. I, I was a little shocked that Ricky Thornton and Jimmy Owens got together, and that really ruined Ricky Thornton's night because that whole right front was just completely destroyed. He also yeah. got into Bobby well, Pierce Rick, after that. Yeah, Ricky, Ricky hit that hole. I mean, it wasn't yeah. there was no nobody nobody did anybody wrong in that situation. He just hit the hole and shot up there, and Jimmy just happened to be right. Jimmy just happened to be right where right where the momentum was carrying Ricky. Right. And, just happened, you know. It was a, it was just, just, just one of those things. And so, I uh, anyway, that's that's my just kind of gut reaction to it. I don't have a problem with the way it ended. Um, everybody knew, everybody knew what the criteria was uh, going into the season. Um, none of that, none of that's a, a problem to me. Um, you know, and for those teams that, that don't like it or were concerned or not happy or whatever, there's plenty. The beautiful thing about dirt late model racing, there's plenty of races and there's plenty of things that pay good money. And and in this country, you can you can pick and choose what you want to do. And, and um, if if that's not their cup of tea for next year, then more power to them to go to go find that cup of tea somewhere else. You know, so right. And Ricky was, 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 was the first to say, sure. he's, you know, that that the, we knew what the game was before the season started he's not complaining about it sure yeah. now can, can i can i and, I and i think i think both things could be right too you know i think i think you can i think you can one hand say well everybody knew what it was and i think on the other hand you can say boy that really sucks and everybody knew that ricky was the best car on that tour the whole year which he was there yeah. there is no denying the most consistent race car over the course of that year was ricky thornton jr and that typically is what will get you a championship however just wasn't in the cards this year. So, but I, I'm um, with you, but, Trenton. Maybe a couple, three extra yellow flag laps. I don't think anybody would have questioned that. Uh, hold on. They they were already what? close on fuel. You can't give them a, a driver extra three laps when you know that you everybody's low on fuel. Because how many cars ran out of fuel? Uh, at least three cars ran out of fuel. The one car didn't run out because they decided to put fuel in the car when they were changing one of those flat tires. Right. Pit stops over that hundred laps. They they figured out if it, they truly thought it was going to be a problem. I think so. They could have. There was there was plenty of plenty of laps, plenty of time. You know that you could have you could have found those two or three laps there. You could have made a mandatory fuel stop. We've seen that happen before too. Well, that's what there's, they, all, kind, there's all kinds of things. That's what they. And, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that any of it was. I I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. I don't think anything that was done on that racetrack running that event was wrong. There was none of it was wrong, at all. What, I, I want to make sure that I'm clear. I, I, I'm I'm just going to tell you. I think they should have thrown a red and allowed the drivers to put some fuel in their cars because at least three cars ran out of fuel. But how far into the, when do you do that? The, the, the yes. laps were winding down. Oh, hold on, they, hold on. During one of the caution periods, yeah. stop the race, allow those guys to put some fuel in their car so they don't run out of fuel. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. What do you think, Trent? I'm not either. I'm not against that. That's what they wanted to do. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, there, there are so many things and man, it's just like a cesspool online after these races and, and you got to be really careful what you read and take in and, yeah. and everybody's got an opinion, us, us included too. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I would have disagreed with, with any sort of thing they were trying, like they were just trying to get the race in yesterday. They'd had yeah. terrible weather all weekend, but they just, and they needed to run the last race, especially the way that this was structured this year. They couldn't, 
They couldn't just not do it. And, you know, those places like Eldora, it's it's hard to get geared up if it had to go beyond an alternate right. weekend, especially at a place like that. That's yeah. that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so uh, I don't I don't think they could I don't think they could have really like once they got going yesterday, I don't think there's really something they could have done within reason that I would have had like a major aversion to, you know. Well, all I can say is is our winner run up in the muck and he stayed away from them rough spots down there. And and I think that that was the key to victory in my eyes that he stuck it up there in the muck the whole time that he ran around that racetrack. And it was getting rougher by the lap. Yeah, but but it wasn't rough up there, no. Kurt. It wasn't rough up there. By the wall, entering turn 1, he was up there in the muck. I can't I can't really complain about the decisions that were made to call the event on Saturday after that wild late model crash that was in the steel late model class. Did you see that? We got biked up in the rough stuff, and that's about as wild a flip of the late model I've seen in a long time. What do you think, Trent? It was for sure, and I, I don't I don't complain about that either, too. You know, it's it's hard because your people putting those events on on a weekend like that, like you're going to catch strays no, no matter what what you try to do. And the, I, I try to tell people this a lot, you know, that – some of these people that promote races are better than others. You guys have seen it. Right. You know it's the truth. No Some doubt. people are better than others. But even the ones that aren't very good, they don't wake up on race day and go, God, boy, I sure hope I can screw this thing up today and piss everybody off. Right. Like that's not a <laughs> that's not a thing that, that somebody tries to do. Yes, it occasionally happens. But man, it just seems like the the easy things to just to just well the series this the track this the da 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 you know and nobody's ever nobody's ever quick to say on the really good night so hey hey awesome job you know it's just like officials in sports when they just don't think about them they just move on to something Trenton. else you know it's it's a hard it's a hard spot to be in Trenton I'm gonna ask you a question it's this this is a fastball so I'm gonna ask you do you believe that weekly racing in this country is all but dead. Tight fastball. I didn't know you were gonna hit me in the chin. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm just uh, saying. I, I'm just saying this: that a lot of no. the a lot of these promoters are trying to do the back gate thing because they can't get fans in the front grandstands. And and in my eyes, I think that weekly racing except for maybe out on the East Coast where there's a lot of sprint car racing, I think a lot of the weekly racing tracks are – are the risk for the reward is so slim. It, it, it's just – it's tough out there right now. What do you think? Probably for getting, probably for getting 40, 50 cars. Um, Central Iowa's booming right now. Boone, Boone's weekly programs are out of this world. They're, they're drawing 140 plus cars a week. Uh, they had weeks over 200. There, there's, um, there's the, there's certain exceptions to some racetracks. But, but, but that, that, that central Iowa pocket of those IMCA cars is, is really tough. Marshalltown does very well. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. Mississippi Thunder Speedway does, does pretty good. Just trudging along on a Friday night. Deer Creek was out of this world this year. Deer Creek averaged. 148 cars weekly. It's the highest weekly average car count that they've averaged in the history of the, of the Queensland family's involvement in that racetrack. That's getting close to 30 years now. Um, 
a lot of that was soda racing. It's very, very strong uh, up north. It's it's way up north. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, the Dakotas um, have some fantastic car counts at some of those places. Um, there are places that struggle. Arrowhead Speedway this year did not struggle. Arrowhead Speedway hit a home run every single night they opened the gates. They had huge car counts um, and, and good events on a weekly basis. Uh, Tri-State Speedway did did okay, the place that had the spooker this year, and I think they're poised for kind of a breakout year coming up here in 2024. Um, I, I, I'll be 100% honest with you guys. From From Kansas City to Springfield, though, not good anywhere it's not very not, not, not real not real strong anywhere um right 81 speed 81 speedway and and it's it's kind of a little bit of an outlier west right there 81 speedway uh, probably doing the best of, of any of them but i'm going to tell you we've we've fought over rules we have changed ownership we've been inconsistent we have thought we're all smarter than the next guy in the room and and the racing community as a whole is is paying for that. Now I will tell you, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. I'm speaking a little bit out of turn because Mike Johnson's killing it at I-35. Absolutely, he's killing it. Uh, hold on, hold. all those cars that he's getting up there on a weekly basis. So it's not everywhere, but but uh, most most places in our area are not thriving right now. I-35 is a backgate class. That's how they make their. However, they make. However, you want to argue with 100 plus cars a week. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to argue with the promoter that brings 100 cars in through the back gate. Like I'm just. That's. That's not a fight that I'm willing to have. Hey, just so So, you know, when you go to I-35, you got to be up there till about one in the morning. Trenton, I know it'll got to let you go, but got a big weekend coming up. Grant Young Ann's uh, Memorial uh, Friday night, Saturday night, the season finale at 81. Just quickly about two big nights this weekend. Sure. Uh, Friday's weather doesn't look great. Hopefully we can get it in. Um, Saturday's looked a little better, but it's still kind of early in the week to see. I'd, I'd like to see both the forecast change and the rain through the middle of the week that's planned for both places uh, can somehow miss both those racetracks. It'd be a great way to, to end those uh, in in the weekends here. Um and I do, I do want to say just to kind of wrap up on that that I I thirty five deal, guys. And I, I do have to get out of here in just a second. Um, Scott, in, in this day and age, whether whether somebody likes the way they run it or not, I've, I've talked to enough of these promoters in these places. And if you can find a racetrack that's getting a hundred plus cars a week, then there's a whole lot going right for that facility. So it doesn't mean that they're always perfect, but you can you can make about anything go weekly, you know, if you can if you can hit that number of cars. There's there's not a whole lot of struggle going on and, and you're you're doing a good enough job to keep those people coming. Hey, so anyway, I, I, I don't want to my opinion. I don't want to be at a track till one in the morning. Just so you know. Uh, so I hear you. I'm not I, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you on that, but um the the economics of it are the the one thing is different now these in this this time is the the Economics are a lot tighter than, than they were for a long time. Yep. So yep. Um, I'm just appreciative for the ones that are still out there doing it because it's a lot of blue-collar work, and it's hard labor uh, for these good places. And, and, so very, and very grateful for all of them that are doing it. And very little reward for doing that, that hard work. Right. Yes, yep. very, very much so. Yep. So. Okay. All right, Trenton, we're, yep. we'll, we'll let you go. I appreciate you taking you the time, bud. All right. Thank you, Trenton. Yep, yep. See you guys. Bye. There you have there it. There you go.
Uh, congrats. I, 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 I'm I'm just the opposite. I I think that weekly racing is, to be honest with you, I think it's doomed. Well, I uh, I'm not going to go that far with it. I do. I am still a believer that the promoters that really work it and go out and do the hard work to promote their racetracks can make it. And there are still a few out there that are able to do that. No doubt. But the biggest challenge there, with There's exceptions. Racing, there's exceptions right. to the rule. The biggest challenge of weekly racing right now, the numbers aren't where they once were. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The cost of racing has gone up. Uh, kids don't grow up around racing and racers like they used to. There are fewer of them. Uh, but I think weekly racing will continue to to be around at fewer racetracks run by great promoters. So I, I think I, that'll I, continue to happen. I, I'm with you, Kirk. I think the promoters that work hard enough and put enough effort into it, they will survive. Uh, congratulations to Corey Day, who is the Trophy Cup champion. He walked out of Thunder Bowl Raceway with $29,000 for winning the Trophy Cup, and that's a points cup uh, over three days of racing. Corey Day, right. he won the Saturday night feature, but only after Logan Seavey was disqualified for not making the weight. But Corey Day came from 20th to second in that race and was handed the win after the Logan Seavey DQ. But Corey Day did the best over three nights. They raised a ton of money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation off the ticket sales and the video subscription sales uh, from the cushion. Over $200,000 raised for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. They've raised $2.8 million over the years for the Make-A-Wish Foundation yeah. off that race. And uh, I think Rico's family helped uh, be the title sponsor of that race. Rico was out there, won that photo finish race on Thursday night. Uh, but Corey Day is the uh, big winner over the weekend out at Thunder Bowl. Uh, Pete says Macri finished second but was penalized two spots for jumping the last restart. Did you and see that? this would be, uh, where was that? At BAPS? Was that at BAPS Motor Speedway? Yeah, I believe that was at BAPS. Yeah, they yeah. had the race in this past weekend. Uh, so Macri back in the family-owned 39M car. That's good. That's good news. That's where he should be. That's where he should be. Family first. Always put your family first. Yeah, as we look at the, as we look at the results, uh, Tony or Troy Wagaman Jr. won the feature event on Saturday night over Danny Dietrich, Chase Dietz, and Macri. Anthony Macri. What did you say? He was penalized because they list him fourth here. Uh, right. He was penalized two spots for two jumping, spots. jumping the start. So he ends up fourth, and Kyle Reinhart was fifth. Yep, no doubt. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. For our buddy Todd Surprise that works so hard for doing everything that he does for us, man, he does a lot of things behind the scenes. People don't even realize what he does. And for my partner, Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you Saturday morning on Track Talk.